Josh Steinberger, what's up, brother? Appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I was just reading your bio, and uh, we got the track. We got the chatting right before the uh, I hit the record button here, and uh, you know I've known you for a few years now, and I'm, I'm actually starting to learn more and more about you just reading your bio. That the whole door to door thing when you're 21 years old and in the mean streets of Cleveland in the middle of the winter, dead of winter. I mean, maybe let's lead off with that story. Maybe how did that all get started? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a crazy story. So right out of, right out of high school going in the, the process, I'm thinking, am I going college? Am I going to go into, into, you know, right into the workforce. And, uh, I did a semester two semesters of, of college, um, as an auto mechanic, a car guy at heart. So, you know, went in and already had a job in a, in a shop. That was my high school job. And, and so I'm leaving at lunchtime to go to, go to college and, and uh, one day, about two semesters in, I go, I, I go to my boss and I go, hey, man, what do you what what's my end game here? I'm, go, I'm leaving here. I'm costing me money to go to college. And when I get to college, because I'm already a mechanic, essentially, the the shop teacher and, and all the other teachers are bringing their personal vehicles in and I'm working for free on their stuff. I'm not even sitting in class. They got me back in the shop while they're doing work. And I said, you know, this this doesn't this doesn't make sense. I got to have a way to get out of here. Right. Like the, the expedited stuff. And so he, he's, he pointed over to a, a rusted out blazer and said, uh, I think we got a, a, a messed up head gasket on that thing. Go over there, take a look at it and rebuild it. And if you can fix it, you don't have to come back. We'll give you your certificate. So two weeks later, did that have my certificate for automotive technology, you know, yay, we're winning the world. Go back to my boss and go, Hey man, I got my certificate. Now I'm, I'm the big guy. So uh, I'm going to need a raise. And he said, he laughed at me and said, yeah, we're, you were already making as much as I'm going to pay you. You're 19 years old. What do you think you're doing here, bro? Uh, you know, you're, you're the tire and brake guy that does oil changes here. We're a little tiny, uh, it was a two bay shop in, in, in Akron. And, uh, I said, okay, well, I don't, I don't think this is my spot anymore. So, so I left, left that it was like Friday. I left there and went home for the weekend and started looking, uh, you know, back in the day, we still had monster was an easy place to go find jobs. So I, I jump on monster and I start digging in for, um, you know, what I wanted to be. And, and, and I had just watched that movie with, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I think it was the how to lose a guy in 10 days. Mm. So on there, he's this big New York sales guy, marketing guy, comes up with all the pitches and everything like that. And so in my head, I come across an advertisement for uh, what was the, the posting? It was GME, Global Marketing Enterprises. Jump on their website, take a look at everything. And in my head, I'm picturing Matthew McConaughey's, this is the job. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that sounds really freaking cool. You know, it's talking about Fortune 100 clients and, you know, the job is to sell their product. And in my head, the whole time in my head, as a naive child, I'm looking at the word marketing, thinking that it wasn't sales, it was marketing. And marketing was the way of pitching people for it. And I said, mm -hmm. well, you know, Oh, well, shit, I got nothing else to lose. Let me go see what this is all about. So I, I, I clicked, you know, let me put my interview in. And like three days later, I get a request to come in and sit down for an interview. I'm losing my mind. I'm completely thinking I'm above and beyond out of my, my head here. This is not a job. I'm never going to get this job. It's, it's something you have to have 10 years of college for and, and understand, you know, stock market, something above and beyond, but Hey, I got a chance to sit in front of them and that's all I need. So I go in for my first round interview. 
Uh, and I'm sitting in front of the guy and I, I can still picture Don laughing hysterically when I leave his office after this interview. And, uh, and I sit down with them and I pitch him on how I've already studied all of their clients. AT&T is their huge, like number one client, like know everything about AT&T, all their fiber that they're coming out with the whole, the whole shebang, know everything. And he's okay. That's, that's cool. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch if we want to, uh, to bring you in for a second round, which would include, you know, doing a field, a field day and seeing what the job was about. So I leave there all jazz, like killed the interview, man. This is all totally going to get the job. And sure enough, a day or two later, I get a call for a second round interview to come in. And, uh, and so we come in and, and at that point I was already, I was so sold in my head that I was coming in to be Matthew freaking McConaughey <laughs> that it didn't matter what the actual job shadow was because I was for sure going to go sell and pitch stuff in New York and wear a suit all day and be on the 10th floor of the corner office. And, uh, it was locked in my head. And, uh, so I go out for a second year on interview and we go door to door for two and a half hours and 25 degree weather, two foot of snow. It was sunny. There was blue skies that day. And, uh, and a guy named Vince in the area there, another kid, he's in his early twenties. Um, you know, picks me up. We take, we go out for the day. We come back. I sit back in front of Don and Don at that time, I want to say it was about probably 28 years old. And he goes, yeah, man, I sit in the office here. Here's the job. You go, you go, you got to learn how to sell the product. So door to door is how we sell that product. And, you know, the big scheme is at the end of the day, if you do everything right, it's a management training program. If you get promoted, when you get to a certain point here, we promote you out and we pay all the money for you to go build an office on your own. And, you know, you take sales guys out with you and eventually you sit in an office here and you recruit guys and, and talk with the clients and don't do that. But in order to get here, you got to go there. And yeah. I completely deleted that. I spent two and a half hours in the freezing snow and couldn't feel my fingers and toes and was like, cool, when can I start? Let's, let's do that. <laughs> so that, that was my, my foray into, into business. So I did that two years later, I got promoted and ran an office in Detroit, Kansas city. And, uh, and realized shortly thereafter that the, the numbers of what was happening on the, the grand scheme of basically an MLM type company yeah. uh, that I was, you know, recruiting kind of a pyramid scheme and it was kind of not on the up and up. So mm. <laughs> we, <laughs> lessons learned. I, I tell you what though, man, I, it really, it really, it's a testament to like the power of significance though. You know what I mean? When you put like, not even just a young person, when you put people in a position where you make them feel significant and you give them a title and you put a suit on them and you, 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 you picture the, you, you give them a, a, a story or you sell them on, on a, on a more perfect future. And, and, and I think that the takeaway here is that you can do this in an ethical, moral way, and you can do this in a really shitty way, right? <laughs> like this is really a visionary's job is to create this, this more perfect end game story to get great people to come work for you. But it can really be done in, in a, in a shitty way. If the company is, is, you know, an MLM or sleazeball company or something like that. Right. So, you know, they kind of got you, but I mean, more power to you that you had the energy and, and the, uh, and the, and the motivation and the positivity to take it somewhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we did all right for what it was. Like I say, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the a sales guy there working a, an eight hour day was literally, like a, a good day was $125 in commissions. 
And I was like, unbelievable. Like, this is, this kind of seems a little bit weird. I mean, the office, it was, you know, we split it. So in the office, I'd yeah. make 125 on every sale that the guys made times yeah. 120 guys. So I make a couple thousand dollars a day. You're like, Hey, cool. All I have is monster fees to recruit and keep pumping in young kids, yeah. college kids, sometimes yeah. adults that were just completely same thing, blind, crazy. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that was cool. But, and so I eventually, so, so a couple of years, two years into that, while everything was already kind of sketchy, we were making okay money. Um, and there, there was some, some opportunity there, but I finally got a call from my stepdad and he goes, Hey man, um, a buddy of mine up here in Cleveland says they got, uh, cause I'm living in Kansas city at the time, a buddy up here has got a, a, an opportunity business where he's talking about, um, doing a, uh, a construction company. And, and in that, uh, insurance companies are paying a boatload of money for a bunch of damages. So you don't even have to collect it from the homeowner, which is sweet. Cause essentially it's free. I just got to figure out how to go hunt down the customer. So, you know, go find people that have damage and then tell them that we could, could do this. And I said, well, so my head went straight to, you know, this is a product I already do. So instead of going and, and knocking on every door in a neighborhood, we just drive around a little bit until we find the house that has X, sure. Y, and Z wrong with it. And so I stole the training, the marketing, everything that that SIGCOR, the company that I had was a marketing manager for, all of their technique, everything that was there, and just inserted a product with fulfillment that I controlled that allowed, uh, you know, obviously commissions to make it make the job itself make more sense financially. I mean, you didn't steal it. You you repurposed it in your own oh. way to make it, you know, you remodeled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> so that's incredible. So that was, so then, and then the roofing company took off obviously in a big way. Yeah, man. And so we've, we've, you know, we, we went to circles. I had a, I had a business partner, my, my family, my stepdad was uh, my initial partner going into that business. Uh, and he and I, um, grew the company to, to uh, 10, 10 million bucks. And, uh, in six years, uh, after eight years, we, we had to separate the, the business and the family thing happened. So we were like, all right, we're, we're going to have to exit, uh, our partnership. So rebranded and opened up my own, own company operated the same way. We did $9 million in year one. So, you know, franchise system wise, however you want to look at it, you know, mm-hmm. taking what we had, had done and figured out and, and doing it kind of made it super easy to replicate. Was it always insurance work or did you guys start to blend in like non-insurance stuff as well? No, it's, it's, it's historically been all insurance work. Um, market wise being up in Cleveland is where the office is at. We get, you know, two, three, four storms a year, every single year right off because of Lake Erie. So it's, it's yeah. kind of one of those where we can count on the business to, to reoccur. Now, yeah. now this year we're looking at, like you said, they're getting a little bit more predictable cash flow for, you know, building out a, a pipeline that's longer than, Hey, that storm happened today. And we go sell $4 million worth of projects. Say, are you guys month. in the farmer's almanac every fall? Like, Holy shit, it's going to be a good winter this winter. I mean, what, how, do, how do you guys <laughs> build a business around that? I mean, obviously it's pretty predictable, but it, I mean, you can't always have a great or, or you know, a, a bad uh, season, I assume. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's every four years, there's a, a great storm. Those storms are, are generally workable for 12 to 18 months. And so wow. then you kind of have like a little baby, like an in-between little windstorm that does smaller pockets, maybe a tornado or a microburst. And so out of a year of five years, we have four years where two of them are, are pretty good. Two of them are pretty okay. And one year is like the, man, this is a terrible year. It just sucks. Uh, and I mean, on a, on a sucky year last year was last year would have been our last, uh, out of the last five are like, man, this year just sucks. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was still a nine and a half million dollar year. So, 
adding in you know additional streams of income we're, we're you know this year and growing we're, we're looking at doing that to where we add some retail aspect to things um, some more commercial type stuff with you know real estate that, that I'm already in and networks I'm a part of to say hey guys how do we partner on these things bigger longer whatever let me put your roofs on throw me equity you know there's there's ways around it so we're, we're starting to look at that as, as a, a facilitation of future business. So I've been asking a lot of our guests this recently, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's probably, uh, it makes sense for you. I mean, a lot of, so we've seen a lot of, during the pandemic, a lot of people adversity, a lot of people turned it into opportunity. Anything step out or stand out in, in your industry that, uh, you know, that helped leverage, you know, you guys or helped explode growth in some way, shape or form? Uh, well, I mean, that, that, and this is exactly why, you know, it's weird to be like, hey, we're, we ride that, that insurance coattail. Insurance companies have to put billions of dollars in a top secret fund that they can't touch or spend that is only earmarked for claims. So, you know, COVID up or down when the market's doing this giant roller coaster thing, you know, our big thing in the roofing deal with insurance companies is like, it doesn't matter, man, that thing just stays steady right across because the money's already secured. Homeowners only coming up with their deductible $500,000 and I mean, I don't care how bad of a pandemic it is. If you can't put together a thousand dollars to get, you know, your leaky roof replaced, mm. we're, we're in a situation where the, the countries, we have way bigger worries, you know, beyond, Hey, it's a rough year on COVID um, sure. you know, in the grand scheme of things. But so, I mean, outside of that, we got real estate uh, you know, I own a, a handful of uh, apartment complexes. So, you know, if I had any kind of a notice up, down or sideways, when it comes to like pandemic COVID um, things, um, we got really lucky in that most of what I own is large enough that I have on-site property managers for each building mm. uh, or cluster of buildings, I guess. And, uh, and they've been fantastic in all of the COVID parameters and top secret things and church funds and city, county, you, you name it. Somebody's made up a fund and gotten money from somebody that's donated or pushed money into a pile at the state level or government level of, of slush fund. Uh, and as long as you're, you're actively playing the game, the only yeah. downside you get with that is that, you know, like, like rescuing animals from the wild. Hmm. When you start to take your tenants and you rescue them and you show them how they don't have to pay rent because you can come to this thing, you no longer make them have to go out and hunt and gather and feed for themselves. So, you know, like Shamu or whatever, once you put them in the tank and you feed them, there's only, you can't ever take them back to the wild and just let them free. So, you know, it's one of those where, you know, we're going to have probably our issue hasn't happened yet. And I think a lot of property owners in real estate right now that are use, utilizing those programs um, are going to run into the wall when that, those programs end. So when, when somebody officially pulls the rug out on COVID and says, Hey man, we just kidding. It wasn't really a thing. Now we're going to go back to normal life. So you guys got to go back to work and you know, your bills are your bills and not our problem. When that happens is when we're going to get a lot of people that go, Oh man, I don't know what to do. And we're going to have evictions through the roof then. Yeah. I mean, we're starting to see a lot of that now in, uh, in, in, in my, most of my properties here in New Jersey, as far as the uh, residential side, we're starting to see that because I mean, they actually started evictions a couple months ago. Are they doing evictions near you already? I honestly never stopped evictions. We just yeah. stopped evicting people for non-payment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there is plenty of other ways you can evict human beings from any level of anything, Sure. Um, you know, with a handful of cameras, et cetera. So, you know, you've got to call it drugs or whatever, you know, you're not paying me, you're going to get out of my property. You ain't living there rent free. Um, you know, I've, I've played the, Oh, we got to replace windows and doors uh, on Tuesday. Sorry. You know, and leave them off overnight. And you know, yeah. it's kind of a shady 
fun thing, but you know, welcome, <laughs> look, welcome to being a landlord. We'll, we'll cut that. We'll cut that part out. So <laughs> going back to uh, the deductible piece, because I didn't really fully hear what you said there. Are you saying the people that had that, are you seeing more and more people not have the thousand dollar deductible they need to, to finish their roof? Because I'm hearing this more and more often across the, the landscape of our country. It's just, it's frankly fucking scary to think about, but it's, 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 a, it's a pretty common concept I'm hearing about. Uh, you know what? I, if they don't have it, I don't have an issue collecting it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, we have definitely seen an uptick of of taking people's out of pocket portions uh, financially, payment wise, uh, on a credit card. On a credit so card, where, yeah, right? Where, where it used to be, you know, write a check out of your own pocket and, and, <clears throat> and get your cash for it. Now it's going definitely down the line of like, all right, yeah, no big deal. Swipe a credit card, which to a degree for us is because you know administratively for us to have to run out, pick up a payment for 500 bucks yeah. uh, in the grand scheme of it. It's like, just give me a credit card over the phone for your deductible. We'll just, that's why I yeah. get there. Now, I mean, without getting political, cause I, you know, I, I know where you lean. I don't think we have to go there on this in a podcast, but I mean, this is exactly what we were just talking about, which is, which is, you know, the more that, that people are, are learned to, you know, basically, you know, uh, be on the teat for less lack of a better term and, 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 you know, get, get checks mailed to them in the mail. I mean, for a while I was getting checks. I would get checked. I'm like, why is there a federal check on my, on my countertop for, for $600? My wife would go, Oh, that's because we have kids. How, how am I getting, I, why am I getting, why are they sending me money? Yeah. Like, I don't understand it. I, 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 how do we even qualify for this? Why are they, Oh, they're sending it to everybody. Like, yeah. like our government is out of control at some point in time where it's like, they're literally sending money to the rich. I, I don't even understand. Like, like it's just free Just send it, send it to whoever, whoever, you know, whoever you want, just send checks to everybody. I mean, at some oh, yeah. point the people get, get addicted to that, you know, just like, it's just like sugar, you know? And, and I think that, that there's going to be a ma- major problem when they start to pull back because people are addicted to it, but they don't realize it's coming from somewhere. Somebody's mm-hmm. paying for this. Right. Yeah. 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 No, we, the same thing. We got, we got to check for every one of them. Uh, you know, a handful of other guys, the problem with that one, the, the funny part and problem with, with that is there's a lot of guys that make a lot of money and, and political or not, we don't pay taxes. I haven't yeah. paid, I haven't had to, had to write the IRS a check in, in a minute here. Um, so, but it's all legal IRS. You feel free. I was going to say before you guys get all bent out of shape about this, it's called real estate investing. Go look into it, right? (laughs) Start, start getting some assets on paper. I lose a boatload more money on paper, you know, now and again. So as long as I continue to lose money for the rest of my life and I I never stop buying and acquiring assets, I'll never, I'll kick the the tax can down the line forever. Now in 20 years, if I stop, I'm going to have a $50 million tax bill. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but with that being said on paper, I'm broke. So not only are we getting that like guaranteed child credit, the little $600 one, but whatever the stimulus was for several thousands of dollars, I, we received the same, the payment full for all that too. We're, my wife and I were like, what's Checks this are just about? showing up left and right. I, I just don't understand it. It's insane. But you know, if you know, for, and I'm not saying that there aren't certain people that need it or don't need it for a certain reason or aren't affected in some way, shape or form, but there's definitely people who are going to find a way to milk the system uh, if there's an opportunity and those people are going to get addicted and they're going to have a hard time coming off. And, um, you know, whose job is it to, to, to wean them off? Whose job is it to help them get back into a society where, you know, they're, they're not, they're not effectively on socialism and they're not just getting a check in the mail to survive, to pay their rent, you know, to, you know, to look at someone else to help, to hold their hand. Like, it's just, it's at some point you got to cut off the, the, the spigot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So, all right, well, let's, let's change gears for a second. I like to, I like to talk to uh, entrepreneurs and ask them, you know, maybe a favorite failure or a speed bump or an obstacle or something that maybe you were just like, oh shit, like, I can't believe I got through that. You know, you, you've made a couple of transitions in your life. You've had some big wins. I'm sure you've had some crazy failures. Anything ever happened to you where you're like, damn, I, that, that really sucked at the time, but I'm kind of glad that I got through the other side of that thing. And I'm, I'm here now. I mean, you know, I'm square one would be my, my dissolving my partnership with my parents. Right. Mm. So you, you probably the number one thing that entrepreneurs, uh, in any way, shape or form interview wise, et cetera, you get somebody alone, you put them in a room with 50 people. At some point, somebody's going to look at the guy and say, Hey man, if you lost it all tomorrow, what would you do? Yeah. And you know, the beauty of that is, is probably 80% of the time is it's speculation because whoever it was probably hasn't lost it all the way back and, 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 or shut it down and had to restart or rebrand or, or re, redo the whole shebang. So, I mean, I'm blessed in the aspect that I could say, I lived that I went through it. I know what it's like. So, you know, what would you do if you started over tomorrow and went to zero? I can say, I, I, I did that. We went $10 million to $0 back to $9 million. So, um, you know, that probably for me was my biggest thing. I sat, I sat in a, uh, in a room um, eight years ago or so uh, at, at Tim Bratz's Manor at, in Lakewood. And it was the first little mastermind he had ever held up there in, in the little room. I think there was 10 or 15 of us in there. And, um, and AC, um, uh, owner Drips, uh, marketing company there, he, I went to school with him and he was in the room um, you know, giving very, very few F's feet up on top, super, super wealthy. He's done really well for himself and a couple other guys. Uh, and, and so in there I get, you know, we go around the room and everybody kind of gives their, their five minute pitch. Here's I'm awesome at this, uh, you know, whatever you need for me, I, I could be an asset to help you out through whatever these trials and tribulations are. Uh, and it, and at that time there's a whiteboard or whatever. And I sit up there and I said, man, I think my, my biggest problem right now is my business partner and, and growing and holding back and making decisions and micromanaging and all the things that have to be done with that outside of them being a family member. Mm. And, uh, and I just remember AC, like the only, the probably only words he said the whole time was like, yeah, you got to fire him. And like, just can like nonchalant moved it along. And I was like, well, how exactly do you go about firing your stepdad? Yeah. Uh, you know, last time I checked, he's attached to my mom. So I don't know how we, how do we do that? And how do we do it reasonably without me never speaking to my parents again? And, um, you know, I, I had probably very low amount that I would have thought coming out of that was going to, going to go down that road. And we were going to have that conversation, uh, ever. And, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't but 10 days later that, that we were completely like a bandaid February 1st. We, uh, we officially were, you know, Hey, this is it. They're done. Here's your stuff. Here's my stuff. I'm going to go my way. You guys go your way. Um, you know, write me a, a check for my equity, which at that time was probably 10 cents on the dollar. I think is probably what I, what I collected out of the, out of the deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it took me six months to get the money, but, um, I had stacked at the, the beauty of that is I had stacked all of my profits. So for, for probably five years before that, every dollar I had made, if it wasn't put into some form of real estate investment, it was put in the sacred account. And only my, my salary was based on, here's what my bills are. I have to collect this. This is what pays my bills. And there's no room for doing anything outside my bills. And so my salary went to that. And then I got a quarterly disbursement and a year-end bonus. And 100% of the bonus money that I got always got shoved in an account that I never knew or touched 
didn't know it existed, et cetera. Cause it, it cost me $285,000 to start next gen when we had to rebrand, um, you know, and I don't know that I would have gone down that road if I hadn't had cash set aside to say like, whatever, marketing office space, you know, do it. I don't care what it costs. I'll figure out the sales, sales solves all problems and I have no problem selling stuff. So, you know, I learned that early on with the the door to door thing. So I'd never had an issue with that. It was a matter of like, send them, spend the money to solve every other problem. If I got to pay people to just handle fulfillment, let's, let's get the fulfillment squared away. If we need a new website, get the website done, put the, put the office. That's Hey, this guy's got an office over here. That's already got furnishers in it. And it, it looks great. Can I just take it and keep everything that's in the building as it is right now? Oh, you will sell it to me. I can't come in for 30 days. Cool. Do you have a, an empty unit I could hang out in for 30 days before you, you know, you guys move out so we can move in. And um, you know, so we, we got good there, but man, that, that by itself, um, starting, starting in coaching and coaching and talking to a lot of people nowadays, that's probably the number one thing that most people skip over and, and go, man, I'm a, I'm a slave to the business and, and I'm a, I'm an employee that's being taken advantage of and, and I make all this money and I make all this money for other people, but none of it's mine. I don't get to keep it. And, and um, you know, I, and every time I, I, I ask him, I said, well, what, have you ever gotten rich? Um, did you ever find yourself where you, you could spend money and indulge, but didn't like where you took and stacked a ton of money that you could live very comfortably off of and in, in the moment uh, and put it away for your future life. The one that you're, you know, you're, you're aiming for, you're building out for. And uh, because that life's going to cost a lot more money than your life is right now. So you already have your little circle where you're in and spending the extra money on where you're at right now is going to take away from you getting, getting to that other circle. So uh, I was fortunate. God got on a part of, again, Don, my first interview sitting there at, at one of our first opportunity meetings when I was, I was sitting at SIGCOR's office going door to door was uh was a Friday meeting. And, uh, on the whiteboard, he wrote in big words, he said, live your life for five years, like a pauper, and you can live the rest of your life like a king. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, if almost to the damn day, man, you could count it five years of stacking cash away before I did anything with it. I had a couple hundred thousand dollars saved, put it in real estate, real estate turned over two years later, we started a new business mm-hmm. and, you know, five from year five to year 10, it was about, you know, stacking away millions of dollars at the same time and continuing to live on, you know, at that point, now it's a matter of living on 10%. How do you invest 90% of your total active income? Damn. How old were you when, when the business, when you, when you made that switch? With next gen, when, when I just separated, no, when you, when, when you separated and started the roofing, your own roofing company. My own roofing company was six years ago. Five years ago, I'm 36 now, so I was 29, 30, 29 years old. Do you ever, do you ever reflect and think about what kind of freaking self discipline it took to stack that kind of money up at 29 years old? I mean, it, well, that's the conversation. So I, I, you know, now I'm in circles with. I've always had friends that were a lot older than I was and, and am. So you know, like my personal coach right now, Sammy Knight, is 66 years old, and you know, when I got assigned him and we we started sitting down, I was like. I don't know that this is going to work, man. I'm a, I'm a young guy and I don't, I don't know that we are going to vibe in that. And, but it, but for me, it brings, it takes me cause I, I have all this energy and craziness over here in, in life. And it allows me to kind of balance me out. Um, my wife's an int- introvert through and through. And so same thing interpersonally now it's, you know, it helps kind of balance me and pull me back. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think the biggest thing was that 
in, in stacking the money away, hiding the money away, putting the money uh, in, a, in, a, in a spot that didn't, I had always had from 19 years on, my, my goals were always put on the next thing. It wasn't about, let me get the car here or do whatever. I need a house here. It was like, okay, for me to get that and then reverse engineered back, I need to cross this pond before I do that. And so once I got there, I, I knew where that money was. It was, it's harder to put your money away and not touch it. If, if you don't know where it's for, if I don't know what this money is, is destined to be, I just know sometime somewhere in the future, it's got to grow itself, you know, wings and, and, and become something else. Well, you know, you're going to spend it because you don't know what that looks like. If it, it, you're just saving up for, Hey, I got, I want a car. I want to whatever you're not going, but if it's, I want a life and I'm going to have to put this money into something at that point, and it's going to take a boatload of cash to do it. Um, I mean, my first, my first foray into investing on all of that was what came from Grant Cardone and, and his number of a hundred thousand. You can't do anything until you got a hundred thousand dollars liquid cash set aside. Don't even talk to me. Can't do nothing with it. And, you know, same thing, a young kid, you're like, well, I, you know, I got, I got 30 or 40 grand. I'm doing pretty dang good. Ain't nobody got $500. I got $50,000 in here. Not enough. You know, you're at 50, you need to go to another seminar. You got to get in a room with another person that knows something. You got to talk to somebody about it because making money is so easy. It's like, it's like once you, you know, a million dollars is like the first number you make a million, your second, third, fourth, fifth, 10th, they, they literally like, it almost falls over itself to go into your pockets. Um, but man, that there's a wall, like nobody's ever seen that you got to climb over to, to put that first million dollars in 12 months in your pocket. What do you think was the biggest hurdle or, or, you know, we already know your obstacle, but what do you think was that, that, that like aha moment that got you past that first seven figures? that first million you put in your pocket. I mean, you remember like a light bulb going off? Cause I, I do. I, re- I remember it was like, Holy shit. I can't believe it was that easy. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, that, that's sitting at the refinance table. My first, uh, my first property that refinanced, we, uh, we bought it, acquired it, stabilized it, refinanced it in month 13. And um, it was the first deal that I was over 51% ownership on. Uh, it's a $3 million acquisition deal that we refinanced and took $2 million out. And, and when we did that, um, like you said, the aha of like easy, you know, yeah. we cost segregated it, took all the, the tax benefits, roofing companies flowing good. I didn't even think about it. I make like two phone calls and we, you know, paperwork docs, nobody ran a credit check. The, yeah. the bank was just like, here's your money. And I was like, I don't, I, <laughs> I feel like we, you don't, you don't need to pull credit on me. Like, you know, I, we, we removed a partner from signing documents. We like, there was so many operating agreement things that be in the transition of that, where we sold equity, we moved stuff around and the bank didn't confirm damn near none of it. They were just like, sweet man, you know, numbers look good. We love you. You've made your payments. So here's a, here's a fat check from Freddie and, you know, don't screw yeah. it up. Yeah. It's a scalability, man. I think when you start to get into these bigger deals, I think for whatever reason, we're like, we have this intrepidation for years when you're doing single families, like the big stuff's meant for the big boys or something like that. And then you get into it and you're like, why the hell wasn't I doing this five years earlier? Like, you know, why did I waste so much time with the single family stuff? I, I don't know. It's crazy to me, but I know you made that transition too. And it's, it's just, it's inter- interesting. It's the same amount of work with more zeros. It's just, it's, it's, it's less incredible. work. Man. It, it's, it, it probably it, is less work. It definitely is less work for that matter. Yeah, you're right. It, it, I mean, it's, it's less work for me because my team does it, but it's crazy, but 
Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's less work in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, it's actually more succinct. It's easier. It's in one spot. It's just got more zeros tied to it. And, you know, the reality of it is it's, it's funny how banks will actually, I mean, I'll refinance a single family for 150 grand and they want like, you know, like one of a blood sample. You're, yeah. you're like, what are you talking about? And then you do $10 million construction loan. They're like, oh yeah, you got, you're ready to come in and sign. You're like, I didn't know we were ready. Yeah. Yeah. We're, right. we're closing on Friday. It's like, okay. No, come in and sign. It's, it's just, it's just weird. It's, it's a weird, um, it's a weird shift. You know, when you do, when you get into that side, Oh man, we could do this all day, dude. What did I, uh, what did I forget to ask? What do you, what do you, uh, what do you got going on in your life? What do you, what do you, um, events coming up? You got any programs? You got any, I know yeah, you always got something going on. You know, we're trying, trying to check off all the boxes. So, you know, the roofing company, we're trying to take public in the future. So I'm spending a lot of time on, uh, on expanding what that is. So, you know, you picked up a couple of coaching guys in a couple of different States that now become potential acquisitions of their existing business to, you know, write them a check and let them roll out. But no, man, I mean, my, my main thing, um, that, that we're doing outside of like active income on like my little, my little bucket here, you know, my world, uh, is my wife and I have been taking on a lot of, uh, a lot of couples, entrepreneurial coach type stuff in the brand. My wife will cut you. It's my wife will cut you.com. Um, <laughs> it's super, super cool. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, that, that's, that can't, that story with that, website that thought the the saying uh it's kind of uh it kind of came through real real deep for my wife and i uh first first female hire that you have to make uh you know in, in a growing business right as a guy you can't have all the guys and the things and have the exact same people like you are so you need people to fill gaps that you suck at and sometimes that happens to be the best person would be a female uh and so in that first acquisition and hire when you cross that bridge uh, in, in business with your, with a wife or a partner there like that, they have a tendency to look over at you and, and, uh, you know, if, if the person's not necessarily, um, how do we put this uh, PG 13, if, if, troll. if, if, if it's a yeah, troll, there you go. If, yeah. if, if, it, if it's troll, no problem. Hire them all yeah. day. Hire all the trolls, trolls you want, you, can you know, them. but if, if they don't happen to be a troll and they, <laughs> they may be that someone in, in your past life, you could have, would have, should have maybe. I don't even know if we could set, if we could make this one live we might have, we might have to cut this one for later. Yeah. yeah. And once upon a time, you know, you, you go down that road you're like, Hey, this is somebody that I might've had a relationship in my past. The way I have no said, trolls working for me, by the way, just FYI, I'm going to put a little asterisk on there. There's no trolls working for me. Me either. Me either. I'm just just and- going to say that. <laughs> trolls are hard to work around the uh, so moving in the, that direction though you know first thing your wife she just looks over at you and she goes hey just just make sure she knows i'll cut that hoe and <laughs> and you know so then it, be, it becomes like a running joke that's that that's what what happens the first time it's no big deal it's like hey just just make sure everybody knows and so then we we had fun with it and then it becomes a joking thing and finally we were like you know sitting down talking with a bunch of other people that are in business and, and their wives are losing their absolute mind He's got to be fucking all the people that work with him. I know it. And you're like, no, he's not. He's just in the office doing paperwork all day because it's what it takes to run a business. And so, you know, having that conversation and coaching with, with the, the front and the, the husband on trying to get him to not work a hundred hours a week and, mm. and take the time to where he can go back and be a, a dad and a, and a husband. Uh, and then at the same time, give support to, to, you know, to a wife that feels unsupported and has having these you know, what feels like to, to a woman in that moment is un- irrational. She thinks that she's crazy. In mm. reality, it's completely normal to have those thoughts because that's how, as men in business and an entrepreneur, that's how we're acting. 
We yep. totally are acting like we are out cheating on you, girl. Mm-hmm. And we are, but with our business, like it's just, yep. it's just straight. I'm looking at multifamily houses. I'm looking at this. We're, we're trying to do more acquisitions. None of it has a vagina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you realize that you can, you know, just by putting your time and not being there or being late to date night time after time, I'm going to be home today at six o'clock for dinner. You're not home till seven 15, you know, and yep. when you sit down and you look at it and you go, man, when was the last time I was late to a client meeting? Never. And that's the truth though. When you show up, when you show up for your wife, when you show up for your kids, they don't question that shit. Yep. Right. When you, when you do what you're supposed to do in your relationship, they don't question what the hell you're doing in the office. And that's, exactly. that's the way it should be. The truth is that's the way it should be, which I think is probably maybe the point you were trying to make. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's the truth, right? No, hundred percent. You're exactly where that, that was you, you, the thing, the thunder yeah. was, you know, as long as you're doing, you know, you check these boxes. We, it's just, it's so common that we as entrepreneurs, good men or, or women, we do, the, it's the same side either way, uh, you know, as a matter of that and, and making sure that we recognize it. There's a, there's an ex, a very distinct pattern and it's a matter of recognizing the pattern and then disrupting our own pattern of habits uh, and to live a full 360 fulfilled life, you know, family, wealth, fitness, the whole shebang and having a good life opposed to being the rich guy that in 20 years realizes his wife was banging five other dudes gets a divorce, loses his family. And is like, man, I would have gave it all up if I could have just gone back in time and been present for X, Y, and Z. hundred percent, man. Yeah. Most of our coaching clients come to us. They want, they want more money. They want more time. They want more freedom. They want a better business. What do we start with? Let's talk about the type of husband you are. Let's talk about the type of father you are. Let's talk about how much time you're spending at home. Let's talk about how engaged you are because most problems are stemming at home, right? You're not chasing money. You're actually, you're actually trying to, you're actually trying to find a way to avoid being home. Cause you right. don't like being at home because you're, you're a terrible father, right? Yeah. Cause your kids don't like you cause they don't know who the hell you are. Right. Why don't you try showing up there and get good at that? And all of a sudden you'll be amazed at how people want to follow you at work. Right. right. You actually turn into a damn leader for a change and people want to know more about you because they want to know what a good dad looks like who runs a real business that makes real money. Right. All of a sudden yeah. these things start to become related. It's, it's super interesting. Um, but yeah, you're, you're hitting a lot of, you're hitting a lot of really, really good points. Um, awesome, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. I want to, I want to be respectful of your time, but I mean, I feel like we could rap about this, this kind of stuff all day long. Um, where can people reach you? Where, where can they connect with you? Yeah, man. Check me out. Uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, I'm at Joshua Steinberger. Uh, I'm sure we'll have post up somewhere, tag along and, and click and follow and like, and, and stream and all that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely make sure we post the links in the show notes as well. Guys, if you thought this uh, episode was valuable, I think Josh dropped a ton of great notes here and uh, great nuggets for you. Make sure you leave us a five-star review and, uh, you know, to put your put your, your top takeaway in there as well. You know, what, what did you learn today on the show? Um, Josh, thanks for being on the show, man. Hopefully we have you back here uh, in the future and we can uh, continue the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you.